Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. And today we have on Dean Carnassus, who is one of the more remarkable people you ever meet. Uh, he is the best known, uh, best known as the ultra marathon man. He's run, uh, he actually did run 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days, which is incredible. I've known that forever. I still can't say it the right way. Uh, he, uh, Time Magazine called Dean one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Men's Fitness called him the fittest man on earth. And uh, I call him somebody who's just done a fantastic job of speaking for our clients and events, just has uh, uh, amazing stories. Dean, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me run by. <laughs> so so you've got one thing I do want to point out to people. You do have your new book, A Runner's High, which I have started. You can tell I'm, I'm about a third of the way into it. And I'm always amazed, like you keep running, you keep doing these things. Um, how is it that you have chosen to live a life that has so many great stories in it? You know, I just uh, follow my wanderlust. I've, I've always loved to travel and I've combined traveling with um, these endurance races. And I think the best way to see a place is at six miles an hour. <laughs> so, you know, I've been on all seven continents twice now. Uh -huh. And, you know, when you run across the ancient Silk Road, for instance, it's very intimate. It's very different than if you're in a tour bus or something like that. So, uh, you know, running has been my, my, the way I relate to the world. And, it's just been a fantastic journey. So I've done like a marathon here at home, but I can't imagine doing running the Silk Road. So you ran through three countries, uh, the former Soviet um, Soviet Union. Uh, so it was it Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and uh, I, Tajikistan? Or I can't Kazakhstan. Remember. Yeah, Kazakhstan. Yeah. And so uh, what what was that like? And because were you running with anyone else or, or what what is that like? Because that's pretty wild country in a lot of those places. It very much is so. And I was a, a U.S. athlete ambassador, and I was on a sports diplomacy envoy to celebrate 25 years of diplomatic relations between those three former Soviet bloc countries. And what was it like running through those countries? It was about as exotic as you could imagine. So imagine going to a land where I, I didn't hear any English for the entire trip. I didn't see any McDonald's, no Starbucks. You know, some of the cities were uh, beautiful and the construction was kind of a, an interesting hybrid, hybrid of kind of Western and each Eastern uh, architecture. So the people were very warm hearted, uh, very spirited. There were, you know, some like trained professional runners that came out, but most of the people that ran with me were just, you know, some of them were village people, some of them were recreational runners. And it was a very uh, interesting, um, a cross-section of, of both uh, sophisticated runners and people that, you know, just wanted to come out and show their support. What was the scariest moment of that? Because I know you said when you started off, you, you kind of have this motorcade of, you know, people like official ambassador type people in black SUVs, and then they leave. What happens at that point? What's going through your mind there? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm running by myself <laughs> in Uzbekistan, you know, and I've got a, a hydration pack that's kind of running low on water and I've got a passport and I'm told to run to the border. And, you know, if you've ever been to a border crossing, you know how hectic they are. So I run up to this border crossing and there are thousands of people and there are officials. And, you know, I don't speak a word of Uzbek, nor do I speak very good Russian. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I get through this border on foot? Thankfully, <laughs> the State Department rescued me. Oh, wow. That, that's amazing. So how did that story end up? 
you got to you got to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's that's what we call tease, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So so it next question. Of, it actually ended up being one of the most successful uh, sports envoy envoy programs ever. It mm. was a great success. Yeah, it's kind of a spoiler, but it ended up being <laughs> a really good event. Yeah. Well, th thanks for doing that for our country and for the world as well. So, uh, so, so speaking of world traveling and everything else you've done, um, I love history. I know you you love it. You're you've you know, got this amazing Greek heritage. Tell us about the road to Sparta. What kind of spurred that to you? Not just to write the book, but also to run the actual whatever it is, twenty four, twenty five hundred year old course. Yeah, well, I'm a hundred percent Greek. And you know, running is in my blood. We all, a lot of marathoners know the story of the original Greek foot messenger, Pheidippides or Pheidippides, who is told to have run from the Battle of Marathon, after the Battle of Marathon to the Acropolis to announce um, you know, the Athenians' victory over the Persians. And he proclaimed, you know, Nike, Nike, or Nike, Nike, which means victory, victory, we are victorious. And then he notoriously dies. <laughs> so I thought, there's got to be more to this story and I, I need to learn, you know, actually what happened. So I started working with uh, Dr. Paul Cartledge from Cambridge University. He's one of the most foremost authorities on ancient Greek culture. And we started diving into the record to learn more about, you know, what did transpire 2,500 years ago. And the story ended up being fascinating in that uh, the, this marathon or Pheidippides actually ran an ultra marathon. He ran from Athens to Sparta before running the final marathon and that was like 140 miles so i thought let, let's dive even deeper let's try to do this on your own and let's use the same foods he had available you know 2500 years ago which are figs and olives and cured meat and just water so no sports beverages and and try to take on this feat that that he did i'm a you know a trained modern ultra marathoner that's professionally trained you know i've got modern footwear uh, i've got you know all of the, the sort of training tools and techniques uh, that are available nowadays, but he didn't have any of those things. So I, I recreated his journey. And what I learned is that it was almost impossible for me to do it. I can't imagine a guy running barefoot 2,500 years ago, self-navigating, and there's no GPS back then, uh, <laughs> doing what he did. Yeah, that's just fantastic. I mean, I love reading it. And then also just the culture of the people you meet along the way. Um, you know, the little, you know, uh, museums and those sorts of things that are there. It's just fascinating uh, to do that. So um, I do I did get a lot of questions. So that's the thing is, if you if you uh, post anything, you know, what should I ask Dean, you'll get a ton of answers uh, or, you know, questions to ask. So um, the first one is from uh, Darian Reed. Uh, what is most important, uh, mental or physical endurance? <laughs> There's a, a famous race I do called the Western States 100-mile endurance run. And they say of that race, you run the first 50 miles with your legs and the next 50 miles with your mind. <laughs> but I think it's about, it's about equal. Mm. All right. And then uh, next one here uh, from Janetta Adair. Uh, how do you keep going when you feel too discouraged to continue? You know what I do is I don't focus on the finish line. I don't reflect on the past. I just focus on taking my next step to the best of my ability. So I try to be in the present moment of time, the here and now, and just take my next step to the best of my ability and my next step to the best of my ability. I don't pay attention to anything except my next step. And if you can put your mind there, it's almost like a Zen-like state 
you're in the zone, so to speak, and you can get through some really low points by just being in the here and now in the present moment of time. What's one of the lowest points you can think of from your running from your running past? <laughs> I, I did a race called the Badwater Ultra Marathon, which is considered the world's toughest foot race. It's a 135-mile continuous uh, run from the lowest point in the Western Hemisphere, which is Badwater, uh, to the highest point in the contiguous U.S., which is Mount Whitney. And Badwater is smack dab in the middle of Death Valley. And they hold this race in the middle of summer, so it's pretty warm out in Death Valley. (laughs) Yeah, in fact, the year I did it, the first year I did it, the temperature was 127 degrees during the middle of the day. And I'll never forget at the low temperature that night was 114. <laughs> but it's a, it's a dry heat, right? Yeah, it's, not like, yeah. it's not like Nashville, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, not like Nashville. We're really suffering here compared to that. <laughs> and I, uh, I remember just being completely dehydrated and having thrown all my electrolytes out of balance. And uh, I was running. It was the middle of the night. I was out on this, you know, on this two-lane highway through the desert with no one on the road. And the next thing I know, I was in a hotel room. Uh, and I, I couldn't figure out what happened. And my crew said, you know, we were driving around all night looking for you. And we found you passed out on the side of the road. And we put you in the car and we drove you two hours to this hotel. And you've been asleep for six hours with the air conditioning on. So that that, wow. that race didn't end too well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's never happened to me, but you never know. Um, <laughs> so uh, this uh, next question from Tony Peck, uh, she asks, What's the secret to pushing through apathy? You know, I have a saying, um, you know, I tell my kids this all the time. Motivation is, is, is tough, especially if you're not motivated. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes it's, it's just discipline. It's just sheer grunt work. And, you know, people think that I'm so self-motivated and, you know, that I, every day I want to get up and go running. That's just not the truth at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love it when people say, you know, do you listen to your body? And I, you know, I say, if I listened to my body, I'd be sitting on the, on the couch all day eating you know, pizza and drinking beer. You know, that's what everyone's body wants to do. But sometimes it's just a matter of lacing up your shoes and getting out the door, just forcing yourself to do it. But I'll tell you what, that's often the most difficult challenge is just getting out the door. Because once you get out the door, the momentum builds on itself. And inevitably, you know, you're, you're so much more satisfied when you walk back through the door than you know, when you took off. How do you set yourself up for success every day? You know, to me, it's, it's your habits. You know, you, you're a, a sum total of all your habits. So the first thing I do every morning, without exception, is I do 25 burpees. Hmm. And I don't know if you know what a burpee is. They're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody hates burpees, myself included. But, you know, I, I read a, about making your bed every morning, and I started making my bed every morning. I thought, that's just that doesn't scare me. That's just not... I don't feel that rewarded by just making my bed. So now I get out of bed and I do 25 burpees and it's almost impossible to have a bad day after starting it that way. <laughs> it's, it's all uphill from that. <laughs> Can't get any worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next one from uh, Amy Deutsch, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get mentally tougher? Learn to fail. So bite off more than you can chew. Uh, throw yourself at uh, an event. I always suggest a running event because running is very quantifiable. Mm-hmm. You know, success is is easily measured. You know, if you cross the finish line, you succeed. If you don't, you fail. 
So sign up for a race and set a time that's unrealistic and fail. Still get to the finish line, but then go back and try to you know improve upon uh, that first uh, performance. And it doesn't have to be a race. It can just be you know maybe a, a 5K around your neighborhood. And by failing, repeatedly failing, you learn how to get better. And it's a process. What was the first race that you ever did? <laughs> you know, I, uh, I did a, I'll never forget, I did a, a fundraiser when I was in high school uh, to raise money for the library. Oh. And my mom was a librarian. So we would, uh, we'd get pledges. And typically a pledge would say, I'll, you know, I'll give you a mile per lap. You know, most kids did, you know, 10 laps around the high school track. Well, I did 105, <laughs> which equated to a marathon because I wanted to see if I could run a marathon. I was 14 years old, you know, and I, I'll never forget like going to people's houses where they thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give this kid, I'll pledge 10 bucks for this kid. You know, and I said, you owe me $105. <laughs> the I said my money in my pockets filled with money collecting, you know, from all these people. <laughs> That's great. Now I just realized that. So tell me the story of your son's first marathon. Yeah, he kind of wanted to uh, follow in dad's footsteps. So he told me that when he turned 14, he wanted to run a marathon. And I said to him, Nicholas, uh, you, you don't just run a marathon. Like <laughs> there's this thing called training, Nicholas, like you have to train. And I saw a different side of him. He really, he paid his dues. He trained, he prepared, and we ran the marathon. And it was a real difficult, very hilly marathon. And he finished in under five hours, which I thought was admirable. <clears throat> and afterward, I said to him, Nicholas, let, let's sign up for the Chicago Marathon next because it's just deadpan flat. I mean, you could run with a blindfold on. There's no hills, you know, nothing, no roots or rocks to watch out for. And he's like, nah, dad, I checked that marathoning thing off my bucket list. I'm, I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I laughed just like, yeah, I said, Nicholas, what 14-year-old has a bucket list, first of all? And, you know, you're just 14. Uh, you've got a long life ahead of you. But uh, he finished the marathon, and that was it. He doesn't run anymore. Wow. That's that's so cute. But then, you know, when he turns 25, he's going to do, like, 25 marathons for his 25th birthday. <laughs> Something very much like his dad. But that that's impressive. I didn't know that about your mom that's a librarian. That, would, that explains a lot. So were you a, a voracious reader as a kid? Yeah, I used to love to run when I was – read when I was a kid, read and run when I was a kid. But yeah, I used to love books. Well, you can tell because the vocabulary that you have is, is atypical. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously just these amazing descriptions of where you are, you feel like you're really there. Um, and I guess that brings me maybe to the next question here. And this one, uh, was from, um, Mayor Novak. Um, when did you realize you can turn endurance running into a business and do you spend more time running or working? And I'd include in that writing because obviously you're a pretty prolific uh, writer. Um, you know, you've written several books. So when did you realize that you could turn this into a business? And then how much time do you spend working sort of the business side of things? And that's a really good question. I mean, we hear a lot about athletes talking about the, um, the lessons from athletics that translate to business. But I was also a business guy. So I have an MBA. Hmm. And I would say that the lessons from business also translate to athletics. I knew that these ultra marathons that I were participating in, you know, the, the prize for finishing is a belt buckle. There's typically no purse, so there's no money in it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how am I going to keep the lights on, you know, if I can't make money, you know, winning races. So I, you know, I started um, partnering with different sponsors. 
I started doing some investing in early stage companies that I thought were promising within the running, you know, universe. Uh, I, I started writing books and, you know, writing books is kind of 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. It doesn't pay well, but, um, <clears throat> you know, if you look at the, the hourly wage you get for writing a book, it's, you know, it's probably pennies, but um, five books later, I've been able to, you know, keep up a kind of a stream of royalties. I also do corporate keynote speaking, which is one of the reasons I'm, I'm on your podcast. And right. I, I figure out a way to make it work. You know, I, I'm very um, time affluent. I probably could be doing much better if I was just stuck to being just a business guy. Uh, I'd probably be you know, much more uh, wealthy, materially wealthy, but I don't think it'd be nearly as happy. What have you learned from your MBA that applies to, uh, to running? You marketing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think so much of, uh, you know, so much of uh, sharing your story is about being able to market because it doesn't matter what you're doing if you're just, you know, in a vacuum and no one knows about it. So you've, you've got to spread the word in an authentic and genuine way that draws people in. So there's a lot of lessons from marketing I've learned that apply to, uh, to athletics and as well the, as to, you know, to, to book selling. Mm-hmm. It's funny the way the publishing world has changed. You, you, know, you come to a, a publisher with a book proposal and they kind of look at you and say, okay, we'll, we'll do it. How are you going to sell your book? Mm-hmm. They no longer say, we'll take it and run with it. They just say to you, you know, what, what kind of, marketing channels can you bring to sell this book? Yeah. So I guess we'll switch this now from Dean, the, the ultra runner to uh, Dean, the marketer. What are, what do you feel like is the best way? I know you just mentioned being authentic, but what are the best ways if someone's trying to market themselves, either from like a personal brand or from other brand, what are the best ways to do that? To look at what you stand for. So what is, you know, personally important to you and what are you passionate about? Because you're going to do much better if it's a, if it's coming from a place of genuine you know authenticity from your heart. So I would start at that place, and if that's basket weaving, then tell the world about basket weaving. Mm-hmm. You know, be the best darn basket weaver there is, and you'll develop an audience. But don't try to be everything to everyone. Try to be something to someone, and that something should be what you stand for. I know, obviously, running or family. What, but what's kind of your your favorite all-time story that you love to tell? You know, I'll never, I'll never live this story down, but, um, you know, I, I one time was running a 200-mile 12-person relay race uh, as, a, as a team of one. So I was running. <laughs> Is that I like a I didn't have 100 friends left, Ryan. Yeah, so I was <laughs> running all 200 miles, and uh, I'll, I'll never forget. I was out in the middle of nowhere on this backcountry road, and it was late at night. And I'd run out of food and I was just absolutely starving and there was nothing out there, but I had a cell phone and a credit card. So I just did what I thought was logical. I ordered a pizza <laughs> and, I, and I had them deliver it to me uh, on roadside. And when I ordered it, I told them, you know, don't slice the pizza and make it with a real thin crust. And then when they delivered it to me, I took it out of the box and I rolled it into this big Italian burrito, like this big log. <laughs> and I just mowed it as I ran. <laughs> <laughs> it was so messy it got all over me but it was so good and wow. I know a lot of people are thinking you know how, how do you eat a pizza when you're running you got to remember I ran for 46 hours non-stop so it wasn't like I was just you know sprinting around the block I, I just got really hungry running for that long <laughs> that's awesome I'm gonna try that sometime I could just probably just do like a slice 
but that's that's amazing. Um, what made you decide to run all night for the first time? So you're famous for running. What's the is it the longest you've ever run? Is like is is how long without stopping? Yeah, I've run 350 miles in uh, it was 80 basically 81 hours, 80 80 hours and 44 minutes of nonstop running. What was the first time that you ran all night, and and what made you do it? Yeah, I, I got into a race called the Western States 100 Mile Endurance Run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you're running 100 miles, <laughs> sometimes, you, you know, you, you can't finish before, before midnight. Mm-hmm. So that was the first occasion because I ran, you know, straight through the night into the next morning. And not only was I running um, straight through the night, I was out on a wilderness trail, you know, through the Sierra Nevada mountains. So I was running with a headlamp on and carrying all my supplies. And I found the experience to be really magical. You know, rarely <clears throat> do we spend all day outside as, as you know, modern humans. Mm-hmm. You, we came from a place where that's all we did is spend all day outside. And now we've evolved to a point where we spend most of our time indoors. Mm-hmm. And I think being outdoors all day for 24 hours is really life affirming. It, it, it's really, um, there's something about it that just, it's spiritual almost. Well, I love it. So for my own little personal testimony, I was reading one of your books. We adopted twins. And of course, you know, they're three days old. So I was getting no sleep. And uh, and sometimes the only time I could run is like switching off of my wife. And so that's when I started running be like 4 a.m. And it's pitch dark out and it's December. And it actually is just an amazing time to go running because you have the whole world to yourself. So thanks for that. I know you get a lot of people coming up to you and saying, hey, you, I have not run like an ultra, but I have run in the middle of the night. Thanks to you. So I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so um, so the question from this next question is from Jay Cross. Do you follow follow other ultra endurance athletes like the Iron Cowboy? And do you think it's good that people are doing these extreme, extreme events? Yeah, I follow a lot of uh, other uh ultra and distance athletes. I know that I encourage pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that when, you know, someone does an event like what he just did, it, it kind of breaks through and it touches people. I mean, you might not want to ever run, you know, a hundred uh, or complete a hundred triathlons, but it might inspire you to try one. Mm-hmm. So I think these kind of visible endurance endeavors are a good thing. As long as they don't get into the realm of being gimmicky, I think mm-hmm. it's all good. Sorry, next one is uh, John Shaughnessy. And then have you uh, how do you overcome boredom on your runs? You know, I welcome boredom. Uh, I don't know about you, Sean, but my life is pretty overwhelming <laughs> these <laughs> days, uh, especially with the advent of social media. Uh, we're constantly bombarded with noise. And to me, to go running for an hour without such noise, it's, it's you know, it's rejuvenating. It, it feels like a rebirth. So I, I welcome the boredom. Uh, you know, sometimes I listen to audiobooks. I have over 500 audiobooks on my playlist. Wow. But a lot of times I just unplug from everything and just run. Uh, so next is from Ruth Ann Annan. Uh, how has getting, uh, how's been getting older affecting your training and racing? And what's been your best adaptation? <laughs> I'm getting slower. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have to work twice as hard now just to keep the same pace as, you know, what once came easy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the best adaptation, if there's just one, I would say, you know, I, I went to a standing desk about 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. you can tell, Brian, even right now I'm standing up. Yeah. 
I, I never sit down. I do all of my book writing standing up. Uh, I do all of my, you know, emails, most of my interviews standing. So throughout the course of the day, I never sit down. And I think that's the one thing. If it just had to be one thing, it would that would be it. Uh, so you've you've mentioned that your dad has been a big influence on you. He's uh, he's a big part of a lot of your books and your writing. What are the best things that you've learned from your dad about life and running? You know, my dad once said to me, it, it doesn't matter how many times you get knocked down. What matters is how many times you get back up. And I think that's a really poignant message, especially as you get older, because you get knocked down a lot. But you just accumulate a, a lifetime of being knocked down. And getting up sometimes is tougher and tougher. But, you know, the other person who's really influenced me, and this might sound funny, is, is my daughter. Mm. So I have a 25-year-old daughter. And, you know, she always says to me, her motto is, um, leave it better than what you found it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm always trying to leave it better than when I found it. And I think that's a good way to live your life. Well, Dean, thank you so much uh, for joining us here on the Beyond Speaking podcast. Um, for those of you who are listening, you can definitely check out uh, Dean at premierspeakers.com. And uh, for everyone listening, uh, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Beyond Speaking podcast. And on behalf of Premier Speakers Bureau and National Speakers Bureau, thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guests, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen.